0: Welcome to the Digital Health Leaders Podcast from Chime, where we bring you the top talent in digital health leadership with your host, the President and CEO of Chime, Russ Branzell.
1: I'm Russ Branzell, your host for this podcast and this President and CEO of Chime, the College of Healthcare Information Management Executives. We're all living through some unprecedented times. It seems like it's gone on for years now for healthcare professionals, for our industry partners and the people we all serve leaders across the industry are showing their talent, their determination as they innovate and transform their organizations to meet the moment and shape the future. We're proud to know those leaders and to support them here at Chime. Today, we welcome one of those outstanding leaders who is an amazing asset to our industry. Michael Jeffries, the chief information officer at Boulder Community Hospital in Boulder, Colorado. One of those haunts and favorite places of mine. Matter of fact, my parents lived there almost 60 years ago, in fact. But Michael and I were there together for over 10 years serving side-by-side in the local area. I was just up the road a little bit in Fort Collins. It was great to work side-by-side and changing. Boy, what a different place it is now. Since then, Michael has continued to grow his leadership and impact in the community and the community health space and now leads one of the most thriving community hospitals in the nation. He is a long-time and dedicated CHIME member He's a CHIME-certified CIO. As many of you know, CHCIO is one of the highest certifications one can get. He's well-known in our community for his passion and efforts around advocacy and education. We'll talk more about that in a bit. Uh, just love having conversations with a longtime friend, Michael. Thank you so much for all you do, but more importantly, thank you for being on the program today.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't be happier to be here, Russ. I always love uh, speaking with you and, and to our members and um, I will say, Colorado still misses you out here.
1: Well, I appreciate that. Boy, I talk about a place that's changed. But hey, let's let's keep it real, uh, real personal right now. How are you doing? How's Boulder doing? You've had some, uh, you've had some tragedy in the area over the last couple of years. I mean, COVID alone could test any hospital and, and administration. But you all have had even more challenges out there. How are things going?
0: Yeah, um, you know, I think we are uh, faring. Uh, somewhat uh, well given our circumstances um and i'm sure a lot of the listeners don't know the uh, everything that's happened here but um you know back in 2019 towards the end of 2019 we went live on epic so we had been kind of through a few grueling years of of hard work and we went live in october of 2019 and um i remember i took a break around the beginning of uh 2020 Um, and went out of the country with my wife and we returned to the pandemic so we got right to it after on the heels of uh, our EHR go live and we were still in support mode we moved into pandemic support Um, followed by that we had an unfortunate um, mass shooting at the supermarket the King Supers here in town and you know we ramped up for the emergency and crisis that was to follow and very sadly, the only um, person who showed up at the hospital in the trauma was the, the shooter um, who is obviously mentally ill um, and is still waiting to stand trial. But unfortunately, none of the um, victims survived. Um, you know, Followed by that, we've had a lot of fires in the area and we had one um, historic fire. It was the most uh, damaging fire in Colorado history. You know, We're used to wildfires, but this one actually tore through um, inhabited uh, suburban areas of Colorado in um, Boulder and Louisville. We lost over a thousand homes, um, so that affected our employees quite a bit. So, you know, many of our employees lost their homes and uh, many of them uh, had friends and family affected. I know personally, my my folks moved in with me and we we're glad to help them um, work through that, but that's obviously taken a toll on, um, on our community. So, you know, there's been a lot of these things that have, um, that have occurred over the time. And so, just like everyone else, we're working through, You know, what does resiliency mean? How do you continue to be resilient? How do you continue to find, find it within yourself to motivate your team when they're going through such challenges, but we are also personally going through those challenges. So, you know, as I said, I think as, as an organization, we're just greatly supported by each other and we're, we're doing quite well in the face of all this, but it has been a challenging few years.
1: Well, I, I always referred to, to your facility, Boulder Community, as kind of the David against all the Goliaths that are out there. And, you know, UC Health, even when I left, was starting to really grow. And now it's, it, it's just absolutely uh, gigantic. You've got the SLC and Intermountain merger. You got Kaiser continuing to build. You know, are, are you all still standalone and still fighting off all the Goliaths out there? Well, believe it or not, we are
0: still standalone. We are uh, one of two independent um, community hospitals that are not-for-profit in Colorado, so one of very few standing and very few across the country. Now, um, I appreciate the David versus Goliath because I, I do say that we are small and mighty, and you know, I, I frequently tell our IT team that we, we punch above our weight class. We really um, go for the accolades. We've, we've gotten quite a number of, uh, rec, uh, a- uh, awards and recognition. Um, but, you know, one of the ways you, you win a David versus Goliath in our circumstances, you don't, sh- uh, shoot too many slings. <laughs> you know, we, we try to also be good partners with our, uh, competitors. And so, you know, we find that balance of understanding what we do and what we do very well. And we, uh, we make no qualms about competing very well, but we also find out where the places that we, um, we need to partner with someone to provide excellence. And so we also partner with a lot of those folks. Um, but I would say it's, it's a, a dream come true beginning to work in a community health system where we um, have the size to really do incredible things and the talent to do incredible things. Um, and the governance is a lot easier. And so I really enjoy that. It's a sweet spot for me where I get to work um, really closely with a you know, a small organization of executives Um, That really have good vision, and we don't have a whole lot of bureaucracy to work through, so we get stuff done fast. So, you know, I'd say we're a speedboat versus the you know the aircraft carrier, and I I like that environment.
1: Oh, that's awesome! Always was fun to visit you when we were there. Well, let's shift topics to uh something that nobody would ever believe we're going to talk about. Let's talk a little bit about politics, not politics from what's going on in this absolute polarized world, but more. Politics as it relates to that great place DC, where we have public policy, health advocacy, all those type of things that we're really trying to focus on. And this is really an area of passion for you. Um, you know, even in, in a small facility, it's not like you're representing you know hundreds and hundreds of thousands of uh, of employees like some of these gigantic health systems are. But wow, get, again, using your analogy, pu- um, punching above your weight class. You know, you you have a big voice in a big process. Why is policy and legislation something A you're so passionate about and what should our listeners know about what's going on in this space? Yeah,
0: it's a great question. And, you know, before I share more about what, what I am passionate about and what I think we ought to be doing, I, w- I would just say that I think all of our members should at least take a few moments um, throughout their week um, to, to see what's going on. I know a lot of us do what we have to to keep up on regulations, but I think Um, You know, Chime does great advocacy work, but we also all need to contribute to that and share our voice um, to be part of it um, and to make the message stronger. Um, And I would even argue that uh, we should all take turns, at least, maybe um, serving on boards for advocacy or um, other such things, that we take turns really um, being the voice of the industry. And so the reason I started getting into it was um, first through uh, our local hymns chapter. I was always a fan of Advocacy Day where we went to the state capitol and we got to um, get our message out there with the state legislature. And, you know, I think that with anyone that starts working in policy and advocacy, you you might start off thinking that there's this magical process and there's really well-informed people. And um, maybe that... Uh, <laughs> that uh, curtain has fallen more recently for other people. But I always say that um, getting involved with it, you understand, you start learning that these are often public servants that are really doing their best and they don't necessarily have the expertise to navigate a lot of these policy decisions. And so we can have a big voice within our, uh, our areas of expertise, whether it's telehealth, uh, information sharing, information blocking as, as of recently, um, and privacy policies, other things like that. Um, you know, more recently, I think the work that's most important and that china has been championing has really been the patient ID, the, the the push towards a national patient identifier. We've been fighting this fight for a long time, and it feels like we are uh, finally getting some traction. And I think that it's uh, uh, incumbent upon all of us to participate in that. Um, so I, I'd, I'd encourage everyone to get involved. Um, You know, understand when you have capacity and take a turn, you know, serve on a committee, um, get educated, uh, maybe find ways to meet with your local representatives, but get your voice out there because they are listening to us.
1: Yeah, you know, and it doesn't matter. They want to hear from everybody. So I I love your encouragement for everybody to get involved, uh, no matter what size, complexity, whatever it is, because they want to hear from the smallest rural critical access hospital to the biggest academic center in the country. And uh, I, my experience has been like yours. I've never been brushed off in D.C. I, they've always welcomed our thoughts, our advice, and our, our willingness to maybe even spend a little time educating them. Yeah, you, I, know, you know, and Russ, one of the things that I thought was
0: really powerful is we recently sent a letter um, on behalf of CHIME members regarding the patient identification. And when you looked at that list, there was public health agencies large huge health systems small critical access organizations and i don't know that there's any message more powerful to a legislature than you know traditional competitors and different people from uh, different sectors of the industry all agreeing on something and getting that message across uh, in a cohesive organized way so um, again kudos to chime for that but i think that's something where we all played a part in getting our name out there for advocacy
1: yeah. And for those of you that don't get it, we put out a weekly thing called the Washington Debrief. So if you, if you want to copy of that, just Google that up. And the, the Chime Washington Debrief is a great way to stay in tune with everything going on put on by our great team in D.C. Well, let's talk a little bit more about you and the great organization you run there. And uh, we'll probably just beat this analogy into the ground, you know, boxing above your weight. You know, everybody thinks you got to have a big health system and big resources and lots and lots and lots of money to be able to do the things you need to 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 hit that highest level of digital performance that's coming. But, you know, that's not the case. You're still a standalone health system or hospital, and and you're doing great. You've achieved a lot of accolades. Uh, You're some of the highest performing organizations in the country on quality and digital maturity and so many different things. And I'll admittedly, um, a bit biased, uh, you're right up there near the top with our friends, uh, all of our friends in the country that are doing well on our Digital Health Most Wired, the CHIME program that we acquired a few years ago. Uh, why, is, why, a, why is recognition important or is it truly benchmarking trying to get better? And, and what advice would you give others that are always on that journey of trying to get better?
0: Yeah, well, the first thing I'll say is that, um, well, we have the great recognition of being um, on the most wired list we spent many of our years submitting for benchmarking without recognition. So I think uh, we we always hear about the recognition part, but, um, you know, I think part of that journey is submitting humbly knowing you're not getting the award, but getting on that journey. But a lot of us have these different programs where, you know, you can get them in them to win the award and, and, you know, uh, play to the test, so to speak. But really the goal for us was, was steady growth and, the benchmarking was a key part of that to identify our gaps, but then we we looked at those gaps and we said, What's valuable to our organization? So, you know, we have about uh, 25% of the staff that a typical organization with our uh, achievements has. And, you know, we, we certainly don't have as uh, large of an organization as many of them have. Um, we have uh, about 2,000 employees in total, and about 100 are within IT. But the um, most important thing I can say is that we hired, we were very picky about hiring. And I know not everyone has that luxury, especially these days, but we were picky about hiring and we spend a lot of time on employee engagement. And so, you know, whether it's renting out a movie theater and going, having uh, some time together or barbecuing together, um, just having fun, not being uh, afraid to joke around with your staff and make sure you get to know them. I think these are important things and so we've really put that as a priority and we find that performance follows engagement and so we really have an employee first culture and that's led to all these accolades so i'd say that they came along the way you know we we started off um a bit further out from those and uh over time we just steadily worked on them but the way that we've really achieved it is has sincerely been through an employee first strategy you know you can have all the vision you want but if you don't um, get your staff on board with doing it you're not going to get there and that's especially important with for us because where some people might have a team of three people who support the emergency department we've got one person who supports the emergency department and she also is uh, doing clinical workforce workflows and she's also doing Care everywhere and in interoperability and um, the e-health exchange and all that. So our folks, um, you know, get to enjoy a wide breadth of variety in their work, but it's a lot of responsibility as well.
1: Well, that's that absolutely leads into our next topic, which is this period of time in history, uh, in the history of humanity. We've never seen anything like this from a labor war, from a talent war, from just an access to resources and. You know, Boulder's a bit of a special place in the world. It's kind of like Austin and a few others that are out there. It's just people want to live there, even though Boulder's unbelievably expensive place to live. But so is everywhere nowadays. You know, how do you create a culture where people are are engaged and want to be part of this special organization? You know, what's some of your your, your willingness to share some of your strategies and approaches to this? Yeah, absolutely. So,
0: um. You're right. I think historically our strategy was really, this is a beautiful place to live and we would attract great talent that way. Boulder has become incredibly expensive. The median home price is over $1 million at this point. And so um, as you can imagine, your uh, average IT employee um, with a family or, or not does not have the money to afford a home in Boulder. And so um, that's actually turned into a disadvantage for us. And this is a, a, a problem that I see in ski towns and other vacation destinations, where um, the pricing, is, the home pricing is very expensive, and how do you, uh, how do you find uh, affordable housing for your workforce? And so, a lot of us are working through that. Um, and I know, like our par- our friends up in Estes Park have converted one of their uh, former nursing homes into employee housing so there's some creative things happening in that area but for us that's a challenge and so um, we used to really be pretty old school about um, you know occasional work from home but not really allowing it on a global scale or, or, or a full time scale because we really felt that that got in the way of um, what I'd call you know innovative collisions that happen all, along around the workplace and um, I've really come to relent on that and begrudgingly, but it's gone very well. And so our staff are, are working from home now. And um, I think the biggest challenge is as we onboard new people who weren't here during the office days, that we really are intentional about onboarding them. So that's one thing I would really uh, encourage people to do is take that time to take your new people out to lunch and um, f- or find ways to engage your, your new employees in this remote world. The other thing I'd really say is that you keep hearing this term, the new normal, and I think that that is a really um, it can lull us into inaction when really it's it's a fallacy. What's going on right now is not normal. Um, it's certainly new, um, but the idea that it's the new normal and it's going to stay that way, um, it, it just it just isn't true. We're things are changing rapidly and they're going to get harder. Um, I think that we, we've we always endured um, regulatory and uh, challenges and demand for change in healthcare to do more with less, and that's not going anywhere. And so I, I think that um, this, this workforce challenge is one that will continue um, and it may get worse before it gets better. And so I think we've really got to look at these sort of strategies and get creative on how to engage our folks and give them a fulfilling career.
1: Yeah, and and it just, again, it just continues to, it's going to get worse before it gets better is the best way to put it. And uh, if you look at just the boomer retiree projections that are here, we're going to see a significant hunk of our workforce leave and transition, which puts more burden on the health system to provide care for them, but at the same time, less workforce that's out there. So I think the challenges are going to continue for especially as we have older physicians, nurses, and others that are that are probably reaching a point of burnout, as you said, and and we're gonna have to work with them. Now, one of the things I know you're passionate about is being a lifelong learner, you know, L cubed as I say, as I call it, a person who's really focused on always building knowledge building education building expertise and that doesn't mean technology all the time it means maybe learning new things that are happening out there or formal education tell me a little bit about your educational journey what you've been doing but also how you support your organization and making sure everybody on your team is professionally growing as well yeah absolutely uh,
0: i would say that um I always look to round myself out. So, you know, like many IT professionals or leaders, I started off as as an engineer, system administrator, database administrator, analyst. Um, And then I said, you know, this project manager seemed like they had some cool stuff going on. Let me try that. And I pursued project management and got my certification there. Um, And I had a pretty good technical foundation and I knew healthcare technology, but I said, you know, I want to see, What's, uh, what's the bigger realm of healthcare like? So I, I went out and I did an MBA in healthcare administration um, at CU, and that gave me a, a, a more broad view of the business and um, the healthcare environment that, is, uh, that we actually have to work within, which is really challenging. Um, Chime programs, and I'm not just saying that to make you happy, Russ, but Chime programs have been a huge part. I will never forget my boot camp experience and mm-hmm. learning from some incredible leaders. Um, you know, I got to learn under Ed Marks and, and you know, he at the time was also writing for his talk and just reading what other leaders were willing to share um, really meant a lot to me. And, um, and I also sought out mentorships as well as providing mentorships to mentees. Um, more recently, um, you know, this again was, uh, you know, I, I, in 2019, I said, okay, we're, we're done with Epic. I, I think I'd like to round myself out a bit more and do some more learning. So I applied for a doctorate in public health in 2019 and I was accepted um, into the program at UNC Chapel Hill just around the time that it was weeks before the first coronavirus case hit the US. So it's been an interesting time to be in that program. Um, but my passion within there, and, and really um, one of the things that I think is important that we start uh, focusing on is really public health informatics. We've spent so much time um, investing through meaningful use and other uh, programs with Medicare, Medicaid to uh, drive technology improvement in the medical industry. And we've come a really long way, but I think our partners in the public sector, as well as other nonprofits, were left behind. And so now we're stuck in this environment where a lot of mental health centers, public health agencies, nursing homes, They they have been left behind in this effort, and we've got a and that was really um, clear during the pandemic when we had a lot of data, but getting that to our partners in public health was a challenge. And you know that some some states were able to pull together and really uh, work together well, and you know and rise to the challenge. And other states encountered turf wars and other issues. So that's one of the things I would implore our our, uh, members to do is consider. Um, what you can do to help improve the data position of your state and your public health agencies, um, because we all work together
1: and uh, we all play our role, but we have to uh, help each other out with that sharing of data. Well, I commend you on, on being a lifelong learner. I started my doctorate through Chimes New University and Doctor of Digital Health in February. I will tell you what, it is hard to go back to school after that many years but once you get in a flow it's actually really enjoyable you know i I finished my master's in 1993 um you were probably still in middle school there maybe even less than that but um, (laughs) you nailed it, it yeah yeah um you know, it's interesting, almost 30 years later, going back to school to get a degree. And and actually, I love every minute of it. And our folks that run the program probably are annoyed with me because I call them almost every night saying, yeah, I'm ready for more material. I'm ready for more material. And they're like, quit going so fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a good role model that way. And, we,
0: and I saw the program. We have just incredible professors in that program, um, really industry giants. So uh, it, it's just an outstanding thing that's been started.
1: Yeah. So, you know, as we kind of wrap up our time here, and, and again, that, you know, when people think healthcare in the U.S., they think the giants, they think the Mayos and the Kaisers and the, um, you know, atriums, these giant health systems, inner mountains out there. But a lot of healthcare in the United States still is in small physician offices. They're in smaller uh, community hospitals like yours or critical access hospitals. What advice do you have, especially for those leaders like yourself? Because You've been able to do what a lot of other people have not been able to do uh, with size and scale being working against you, some would say. What did you, what's other advice you might have for them? Some words of wisdom.
0: Well, I, I think don't think of yourself as disadvantaged and small. Um, you know, we, we are responsible to have the same leadership and the same vision as those uh, larger organizations. And they might have re- more resources, but we have to consider what resources we do have. Um, you know, some uh, areas might have good local funding and donors. Others might have, um, you know, access to really good talent. I think that's been one of our biggest strengths: is that um, there's a lot of good tech talent in the area. Um, but look at what those strengths are and and play to them. The other thing I would say is is we also need to be humble. So you know, don't be shy about being big and, and searching for greatness. But don't. But also be humble and consider what you can't do. Um, find partnerships that are meaningful. Um, for us, we were challenged with analytics, and I couldn't move the dial on it quite fast enough to meet organizational need. So we entered into a partnership with Optum to help with that. Um, you know, we we of course kept IT in house because they're doing an extremely good job, and we've had success with retention there. But our analytics folks needed some growth and things like that. Um, you know, we've done other partnerships in different areas, whether it's uh, mental health or outpatient um, physical rehab. Uh, so we've really looked at where the partnerships matter and where we need to, to find those. And we've been humble about trying, not trying to do everything. So those are uh, some of the strategies that have worked well for us. And, of course, employees first. You know, you do that and
1: the rest falls into place. Well, Michael, as always, thanks for all you're doing out there in Colorado. I definitely miss the people. I do not miss the cold and the snow as I'm even now sitting in very Southern Florida, where it's probably 88 degrees outside. But no, thank you for all you've done. Thank you for all your work with us on the public policy and our public advocacy efforts. You truly are one of those people that really care about our industry and care about our community. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for having me on, Russ. It's always great to speak with you and uh, really appreciate your time. We'd also like to thank you, our listeners, for joining us for this episode of our Digital Health Leaders podcast. Special thanks to our sponsor for this episode, LK, one of those great Chime Foundation firms that work with us every single day to help programs like this and all of us to get better out in the industry. You can visit us on Spotify or chimecentral.org forward slash media to listen to this and all these amazing top healthcare leaders. As we continue to work our way out of this pandemic, please stay safe and God bless.